con content integrated content learning content. What? No. <laughs> What does Clue stand for? Content learning integrated. What? I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I actually Google it. Clue? I don't understand.、Yeah. It's something like content language integrated learner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the ELT Upgraders Podcast, bringing you new ideas and instant tips for teaching. So I'm here, here with、uh, Mr. Jakey、uh, Wooden. Hey, John. Hey, Jake. How have you been, mate? Good. Been on the road again. Again? Where,、yeah. where have you been?、Uh, just travelling in China, Shanghai and Beijing. Bi- business or pleasure? I hope business. All business, mate.、Uh, Shanghai and Beijing for some Macmillan Education Asia Upgrade Days. Oh yeah. Where have you been? Uh, well, I saw you. I saw you in Shanghai and Beijing、you、for、did. those. Where were you? Great sessions before and after that. And well, I had a bit of a mini tour actually. We went、um, Ho Chi Minh City, Hanoi,、mm-hmm. Vietnam, onto Shanghai, Beijing, and finished up in in Bangkok in in Thailand. Nice. Yeah, great little tour. Who were you with?、Uh, we had a special guest. You may know of him. Goes by the name of. Scrivener, Mr. Jim Scrivener, author of learning, teaching, and teaching grammar. Absolutely,、Something. yeah, classic. The Bible, the Bible. Yeah, that was、English、my Bible、teaching. when I started learning、yeah. teaching. Yeah, just、what? got given that on the f- first day and said, "Read this, learn、oh. to teach." How many years ago was that? Twelve, thirteen. Yeah, twelve years ago. But it's it's into its third edition now. Yeah. Yeah. Very much more updated. The one I had was a lot thinner than the than the version they have now. Yeah, good、mm. stuff. And you were doing some sessions as well、uh, along alongside Jim. What were your、yeah. sessions focusing on? I did a session on learner autonomy. Yeah, which you, we'll hear about in another podcast very soon.、Yeah. And、uh, one that you and I worked on together. Absolutely, and、um, yeah, we mentioned、uh, those books or Jim's book. The learning teaching,、mm-hmm. the teaching grammar. I'm also holding another nice little methodology book in my hand, and you might、mm-hmm. have noticed from those、uh, opening credits about those some of our colleagues trying what they're trying to decode a, an acronym or, or something. Yeah. Is it? So it's an acronym I'm sure you've all heard before, and it is CLIL. C L I L. So today we're going to be talking about CLIL, what it is.、Uh, What are some principles of it? What are some features of it? A little bit more about it, a bit of an upgrade of it than what you might know about it already. And we'll hear from some, some from teachers, right? Yeah, Their opinions as well, and that they're doing in classrooms, and some practical ideas for you. So and some challenges, maybe that we can、uh, help overcome. Yeah, hopefully. So good. Right, John, Clil, something that I first heard about. I just thought it was a marketing term. I thought it was something that we sold to parents in summer courses as a way to get them to buy a course. Oh,、um, we still do that, mate. But,、uh... <laughs> But the more I've looked into it, and as the world is changing, the relevance of Clil has become more and more important across the world. So, you're the guy. You're the man. You know about all this. So, in a nutshell, can you tell us what is Clue? What does it stand for? First, for all the content, language, language, and integrated 
Learning. Very nice. So, yeah, in a nutshell, dual-focused educational approach. So it's like a two-in-one approach. So we're teaching not only the language, mm-hmm. but also the, the content or the subjects. So they're learning, give me some subjects, math, math. science, science, social studies, cooking, history, art, home economics, dancing, absolutely, through, actually, drama also, through the medium of, of English. Neuroscience. Um, Possibly, but I'm not sure I'm at that level yet, okay. but, but why not? Mm-hmm. Um, being used, or has been used widely around the world, I think since it was coined in 1994 in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, a few places where it's being used. Shall we have a look at a few case studies? Tell us a few, John. Um, so Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Malaysia use, um, or they teach, or have been teaching uh, maths and science through uh, the English medium. Mm-hmm. With, How's that uh, going? A varying effect. Actually, I think they switched back to Bahasa again now, actually, because it didn't quite work out for them. Um, they were they were, they were teaching uh, maths and science through English, uh, but in the rural areas, where the teachers maybe not qualified or their English proficiency was not so good. Mm-hmm. They struggled, and hence the, the student performance was not as good as the urban areas. There's yeah. quite a big sort of difference between rural and urban, so they think they've switched back there now again to their local language. Uh, where else? Scandinavia, which we'll pick up on a bit later. They're, mm-hmm. they're studying drama um, subject in German. Interesting. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sehr gut, ja. Yeah, done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, exactly. Italy, um, science uh, through French, French language. Yeah, and the other one, that's that's had a positive effect or negative, or you don't know? Didn't look into it. Um Difficult to say, actually. Mm. I think uh, it's being used and still being used. Um, feel free to type in uh, and let us know if you uh, if you know any different. Yeah, I saw one that was in Algeria. They started trying to teach science back in Arabic rather than in French, but it didn't do very well because they wanted to build up the Arabic in Algeria again to get that sort of separation from the French colonies or something. Yeah. But it didn't work, and they had to go back to French because... Science has so much of its language laid with French uh, roots and things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, and we'll have a look at that in the, in the context. Maybe there of is a thing about, like, this is something else, but there might be a thing about certain languages relating to certain topics. Who knows? Or which work and don't work. Or, yeah. uh, well, but maybe English study. is the one that works for everything. Yeah, could be. Yeah. And we'll have a look at um, clearly in the context of English language teaching a little mm. bit a little bit later. And the final one, which interests me... Mm-hmm. From your home country, mm-hmm. where are you from again, Jake, mate? Australia, mate. Australia. Mm-hmm. So awesome. in Oz, again, Sweet. I'm not sure if it's still being used, but in the past they were they were learning maths in the Chinese language. Wow. Ni hao. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> maybe it's true. Probably. E jia e. Yeah, maybe. Is that one plus one? Yeah. yeah. Maybe they think all Chinese people are good at maths, so let's try and do it in maths. That's a sort of Australian mentality. The Chinese are good at maths. So let's try and teach them in, in Chinese. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Good. Right. All right. So that's uh, the countries where it's been used. I know, but you didn't mention Finland. I didn't know. And Finland, we know, is well, it's doing very well, I'm sure you know, and, and in education around the world. And they, they do a lot of subjects in both English and Finnish at the same time and try to not make that separation. And then Finland does very well in English tests around the world as well. Um, Which even, one? The, P, the, P, the Pisa one? I think it, I mean, it does very well in the Pisa, but that's not in Pisa. Pisa, yeah, but it's not. That's just science and maths, isn't it? But they also do well in other English 
world ratings, even though they're not from the same language background as English, they're always in the top five or something. So one of the reasons is they have equated that to using clear. Yeah. So, let's learn a bit more about what Clil is. I know everyone knows it's content language integrated learning, but what are some of the core features and key principles of Clil? Uh, as you very well know from your from your session, um, let's kick off with the with the principles. So, you've all heard of the four C's in twenty first century mm-hmm. skills, mm-hmm. which are. Creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking. Critical thinking. So actually, you may not know this, but CLIL also has its own four Cs. A lot of Cs. Yeah, so we have, well, CLIL, the whole CLIL process is driven by cognition, the whole sort of thinking mm-hmm. thinking process, and we'll, we'll have a look at that. We've got some interesting interviews with some teachers who talk about thinking in the context of Western mm. education and Chinese yeah, education. Sure. Cognition, first C, driving force. We've got communication. Obviously, it's framed through a sort of a commu- communicative process. Um, we've got content as well. That's sort of the subject, mm-hmm. the subject, the content. But that's, what that's getting at is it really building on uh, students' existing knowledge mm-hmm. of subject areas and also gaining more sort of general knowledge uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the final C... Oh, in, in some um, in some literature, it's called community. Mm-hmm. In some, I've seen it's called culture. Yeah. Um, so actually, you describe that to me a bit more like a company, like a company, company culture, culture, or the idea of the culture of the classroom and how people work together. Not necessarily, you know, the Thai culture or Chinese culture or Japanese culture. More about yeah. how do people work together as a community in that class? Yeah. And I, I think that's a huge. That's a ma- it's funny, they kind of match directly to the four C's of 21st century skills because the community would be like collaboration yep. and the, critical, uh, the cognition, sort of the critical thinking yep. and pushing. The content, uh, sorry, the communication is communication. Mm. And then the last one, the creativity doesn't quite match, but it yeah. is nice. A little bit different. Overlaps yeah. there. Yeah. So it's yeah, the culture, the culture, the community of the classroom, I think, yeah. Not only group work, but getting working individually, individual and sort of group processing mm. inside the classroom, I think. And, and having a common... I like the idea that when I read some of the things I've read about this idea of a, the whole class having a common goal to getting moving forward as a class rather than playing games and who can win, right? Yeah. Which is a lot of fun, but yeah. I think, like you said, education is changing and yeah. uh, we have to look at the way that we... Uh, um, yeah, we did still fun. Language lessons. Doesn't yeah. have to be com- so competitive. Absolutely. Cool. That was the four C's. So yeah, so linked to those, we've got some core features as well, mm-hmm. which sort of um, run or intertwined with those um, those core principles. So mm-hmm. We've got things like authenticity. Yeah. So using authentic um, texts, developing natural language. Yeah, and having. I mean, that's about meaning, isn't it? Attaching meaning for the for the learners and. Well, we'll talk about it later. When we mention that idea, if you can bring... Oh, crashing. We're going to talk about crashing a we're bit. We're going to mention crashing later. Yeah. God, there's a lot we're going to mention later. There is, there is. But that with the authenticity, it's sort of... You're probably already doing it. Don't mean to get sidetracked, but just having authentic materials, having a magazine as opposed to a, a text that's so forced on them, having a real bit of content from real life. Absolutely, yeah. 
so linked to authenticity, we've got also got a- active learning, mm-hmm. um, which is quite a broad term actually. To define that is quite difficult. I've been in, I've been actually chatting today about some teacher training in a school who are using active learning techniques, mm-hmm. which has completely changed my idea of what active learning is. But okay. I think we'll do another session on that actually okay. yeah, next time. Uh, but active learning uh, is linked to that sort of uh, community process, um, getting the students a student-centered classroom, getting them involved with the learning. Um, We've got scaffolding as well, which will be a key one linked to this uh, Vygotsky guy. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. Um, in a second a clear guided process to help not only students, but the teachers guide them through, yeah. um, build up the skills step by step. Yeah. And we've got cooperative learning as well, um, linked to sort of the collaboration yeah. side, um, developing that yeah, positive environment. We've got a few activities we're going to pin um, underneath this podcast on the website, yeah, um, that we'll mention a little bit later on uh, as well. Do check out the uh, if you're listening at the website Macmillan Asia, Macmillan Education Asia dot com. If you go onto the website, you'll be able to download extra activities and check out some other videos. Good. So we've got the four C's, mm-hmm. and we've got some of those core core features we mentioned. Yeah. Is it worth mentioning the sort of the theory where they, behind where it? Where did or? it all come from? of our favourite people and theorists in learning and in ESL are Stephen Krashen and round of applause, round of applause we, we like him done a good job I'm very lucky to see him, him I was very lucky to see him actually in Shanghai uh, last year he was here uh, he's here um, just talking and he was brilliant because all the other yeah. guys they stuck a, a powerpoint a bullet mm. points he got up there spoke for an hour just from the heart about yeah. extensive reading and immersing kids in English and that's, right. that's the way to learn and has that got a link to sort of CLIL as well so that... yeah uh, the funny by the way everyone just get back into Crash and you all probably had to study him at some point but all these ideas were sort of you know maybe he was a hippie or something but now that research is so fast and catching up to practice and the, the separation between research and practice is not so far anymore and we have real research from neuroscience and things well, most of Crashen's theories now are being proven, yeah, right, and then they weren't just sort of a bunch of made-up stuff, so mm. get back into him. But what Crashen said was, uh, in his input hypothesis, yeah, the a- a- acquisition, acquisition theory was yeah. the idea that to actually learn a language, you need to do something with the language, you need to be active with that language, and it's not enough for it to acquire it, you can just go in. And it's what a lot of classrooms do, there's a lot of input sitting there, you're acquiring new vocabulary, grammar structures, new vocabulary, grammar structures. But because you're not actively doing anything with that language, you don't necessarily learn the language. So his idea was that you need to be actually using it and doing it and going through processes to make it stick and stay there. And that's what Clue's all about. Is mm. It's the process you do with the language, not the actual language that you're mm. teaching. Mm. Mm. That was Krashen, yeah, the yeah. other guy. Yeah. What's his name? Sounds very Eastern European. Or yep. Can anyone guess? Vygotsky. I've heard Vygotsky. I've heard Vygotsky. Do we have a? Do we have a? Is that American, British, English thing or? But Vygotsky's cool because he in the thirties. I could get the dates wrong. Someone will tell me I was wrong. But the his idea was that there was this 
prox- zone of proximal proximal zone of development or development of proximal zone or CPD 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 yeah and that was the idea that there is a between what your child or student or any person knows and what they don't know is this grey area and it's not a matter of just saying you don't know it bang now you do know it that there has to be this this it seems really obvious now when you say it but that's not how we see classes working is it we sort of we walk into a class and say, here's a bunch of words and we expect you to know it at the end. But he was saying that there was a grey area where we have to scaffold and help and hold the hand of the student to get from what they don't know to what they do know. And we do that by doing what? John? I, well, I always picture uh, uh, a scene in Vietnam or, or, or China where they have this bamboo scaffolding on the side of a, of a building. They go up there and repaint the building. So what it is is putting the, the pieces or structure together for, say, a lesson or a, or a course. So all the pieces of the scaffolding put together is your kind of end, end product, but they mm. need that clear sort of binding and, and framework, that strong structure um, uh, to guide them throughout the whole process um, to get to that end, uh, that end product. So actually the teachers need to be aware of what scaffolding is and you know, how to put that into, into practice in their, uh, in their classes. Um, and we're going to chat about that uh, with some of our um, uh, interviewees a little bit later, I believe. Yeah. Cool. All right. Right. So talking about scaffolding, um, let's listen to a few teachers who you know, have some common challenges when thinking about integrating CLIL um, into, uh, into, into their classrooms. Okay, my name is Nam. Uh, I teach in the primary school and government school. So I'm here at the Macmillan Day ELT upgrade in Ho Chi Minh City. So we've just had a session on, 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 on CLIL, right? Um, and you've got a, a, a challenge, basically, uh, about CLIL and, and teaching CLIL in your classes. What do you see as the main challenge or difficulty about teaching CLIL with your students? I think um, the method of clear is very good, but I think in teaching this method in my school is very difficult because in my school there are many students in one class and very difficult to teach them and using that method. That's the um, one. That's the, uh, the main idea. I think that. Good. Thank you very much, Nam. I also have a, another teacher here with me. She's a little bit shy. What's your what's what, what's your name? Fong. Miss Miss Fung, yeah. and, and where are you teaching? Uh, Lutheran Primary School, uh, public school. Ah, and and what, do you, what do you find is the challenge? You said something about the theory is very good, but you know that like we know theory, but how to adapt with uh, the, in our class is very important. You know because we have a short time and we have many content to to give the student. That's why difficult how you can let them to imagine that to have like the meaningful contest. When you understand, you can learn very well and you fun with that. That's it. So that was two teachers from, um, from Vietnam and they, I think their major challenge there in summary was how to transfer uh, in, a, in a CLIL uh, context, how to transfer from the theory, the four C's, the principles uh, into practice, maybe in a large classroom 
uh, or something like that in their in their public schools there. And I would refer back to this uh, this scaffolding, this this framework. Um, and we're going we're gonna to give you guys, we're going to attach a framework, a clear step-by-step framework uh, under this podcast on the materials there to help guide you through a standard lesson. But sometimes I think teachers get a little bit overawed by these new principles like CLIL. It's one extra thing, extra burden they have to do in the classroom. But um, actually they shouldn't be looking at it any different from a normal, say, a, a reading lesson. Um, we've got a nice little framework there that you can follow. Um, uh, to keep you on track, to scaffold your lesson. So, mm-hmm. four steps, right, uh, of the of the process. Yeah, I can't remember them. Tell me. We've got processing uh, the text. Yeah, I think for the clue that we're looking at, the main uh, the main skill here is reading or developing reading fluency. Yeah. So it's based around a reading text. Mm-hmm. So we've got processing the text mm-hmm. with some ideas for that. Uh, identification of key language. Sorry, that bit's the bit that I don't get because. It says it's not about finding language, and then we tell them actually it's about finding language. So yeah. it's not about finding a grammar point, so is you, it? Yeah, so what it says is CLIL isn't about uh, focusing on uh, vocab and grammar, f- like the form, like mm-hmm. picking out the form. But mm. I think it can be used for uh, noticing, yeah. maybe. or Identifying some key yeah. language that, that is in there, key vocabulary maybe. Yeah, yeah raising conscious, uh, what's it called? consciousness raising mm. about, about the language, how it's used. Uh, maybe sort of collocations and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think in an in a ELT context and CLIL, I think we still can focus a little bit on, yeah. on vocab and grammar in a, in a text um, and we can get them to do these little identifi- identification tasks. Mm-hmm. Again, we've got these activities we'll pin on this uh, podcast mm-hmm. on, the, on the website mm-hmm. that you can use. So we've got processing language, identification of language, mm-hmm. And the third one was all about um, what's helping them summarise. Classify, and, wasn't it? Yeah, or organising yeah. their knowledge. Yeah. Um, and we were using, we're talking about using these CLIL uh, organisers um, to organise their, their thinking, their learning, in this very nice, sort of clear, clear way. And again, we'll pin this graphic organiser. Really cool when you start using those because it's building a skill in your students that aren't, or your learners, that isn't just about learning the language, is it? It's about... A skill that they can use in, 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 in any other subject. So it's like summarising. Yeah. Um, it's like putting, identifying quickly and classifying different bits of information into different things. And it might be just in a text, but that skill can be used when you're listening or you're watching a video. So you're building these other skills in them through the CLIL class, which sometimes might be more useful than yeah. some of the language that they've been used learning. Definitely, definitely. So we've got processing of text, identification of language, organization of knowledge yeah and the final part was tasks so some follow-up maybe sort of communicative tasks actually sort of using um going back to crash and sort of using the language in a very sort of meaningful uh yeah. uh interactive way and what i like what john was telling me recently was the idea of in a cool class it's not you know so they, they're doing this task and they have to talk about the content the authentic content but it's the language that comes up between all of that so if they're talking about who's the fastest runner in the world or the Olympics. But when they go and do this task and they've got to find out from another student some information or knowledge that they have, it's not just who is the fastest runner. It would be something like, you know, hi, how are you? Or who do you have? Uh, do you, what else do you know about it? So there's a lot of other language that can be coming up, like process language or, or authentic language that can come up around it. And it lets the students explore with all this other language. And, and the goal isn't that you got it exactly right, but it's... So when you're teaching a CLIL class or you're having a CLIL program, it's, it's encouraging them, 
giving positive feedback to the process of the task more so than the outcome of the task. Mm. And I think in Clue, what I really like about it, it's mm. all about this sort of process of getting there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, and you don't have to look at Clue, well, in the, in the ELT context, um, it can be anything from a, a quick sort of five, five minutes to 30 minutes to a um, uh, actual Clue uh, summer program or mm-hmm. something like that. And they call it language language showers. So this is like yeah, little right. input. Um, around sort of CLIL um, each each day or e- each week. So it may be something as, as simple as before lunch, yeah. when they get out their packed lunches or they yeah, go to the canteen, yeah, yeah. just teaching some, um, bring out some realia, food yeah. realia, teaching them um, about, about food vocab and things like yeah. that and to, to develop it on So uh, an older class, there. it might just be an article that you were reading on the way to... To school that day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And just sort of saying, let's share this quickly at the end of class. But I think a lot of people I've noticed think that there are a lot of challenges, uh, and especially they think, oh, they can't do it in their cultural context. Oh, very glad you said that. Because we interviewed um, another, another teacher, right, in our Macmillan days. My name is Jack Wilson. Um, I'm working for Hujiang.com, uh, Hujiang CC Talk. I'm the principal of CC Talk. So we're here at the Macmillan ELT Upgrade Day and we're talking about CLIL. And you went to watch the CLIL 4 Cs yes, or something C's. like that, right? Okay. And you were telling me a little bit about CLIL and your experience or okay, learning? Sure. I already learned some 4C um, in, in TESO course, but this 4C for CLIL is totally different. It's the something I really learned from the, from the trainers that it, we help the Chinese teachers mm. how to master two thinking tracks, mm. like the Chinese thinking and Western American thinking or English thinking, what I mean is to, if we use the one mat- materials like reading, I, I think the Chinese t- teacher would focus on v- vocabulary and grammar to pass the test, right? So the students get so bored okay, to learn English or the languages. But if in the Western classrooms, the teachers teach me a thinking thing to, um, to draw or to grab the main information from, from articles to classify the information in different boxes. And then what amazed me is that we ask question to the classmate and the classmate asks another paper's question. So in this end, we use language to, to learn how to communicate with people. Not really language itself is the thinking thing. So this has the main d- difference between Chinese classroom and American classroom something. So this is really amazing. So that was a teacher talking about all the sort of the cognitive process and thinking, the difference between Western and, and Chinese. Uh, True. Where did that guy work? Because you went there, didn't you? He, uh, went, he said he went to Hujiang. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's that? I think so, just, it's a really fascinating place. So Hujiang. I hope my pronunciation is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a massive online learning center uh, based here in Shanghai. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to go down there and. They got these. Um, they're running these online tutoring um, uh, classes. Mm-hmm. They got these amazing uh, digital dashboard up in their their school, showing how many students are currently uh, online with their programs around mm-hmm. the world, and numbers of students. All these lights are lit up on the dashboard to show where all the students I'll are. I'll try and put that photo up. It's incredible. Remind me. I want to put the photo. It's a really cool photo of the whole sort of world and where everyone's learning. On it, fascinating. Brilliant, brilliant. I think the I think the the highest numbers are actually Chinese students 
studying in Japan, I think, so long, long distance yeah, using right. Ujang, I think. But, uh, but that's a, a way that uh, education is moving, and, mm. and uh, that was a real eye, eye opener for me. So, what was he saying? So, he was talking, <laughs> back to the point. Uh, he was talking about um, difference between Western, Western thinking, Chinese thinking, and, um, you know, maybe this, this concept of CLIL and the cognitive process mm. are more geared towards Western, Western education. Yeah. I, uh, I know you've got a few opinions on that, Jake. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I've observed a lot of classes in China and I just don't, I see so many positive stories here with local teachers teaching Chinese kids in, or, or adults and using these cognitive ideas and creative thinking and creativity so, and, and CLIL classes. And I think that the... I often hear a lot of local teachers here saying, oh, but we can't do that in China. And it's just not true. I think you can do it in China, but there's a wall that sort of says, no, we don't learn in that way. But, you know, all humans have the ability to learn in every way, really. So um, don't put a wall up and say, you know, my students wouldn't be able to do it. Because if you haven't tried, you don't know. Okay, the same in Japan. When I go there, oh, they can't do it. Then we do it, and then they can do it. So it's, you know, I can see why uh, Jack would think that, but... It's sort of having that sort of uh, mental model that it can't change. Break that mental model and try, because if you want it to, then it can move forward. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a whole no. new way of teaching, no. right? So I think in your sessions you're yeah, doing in the Macmillan days, yeah. just some simple classifying or categorizing activities. So yeah. they, you had a text, right? And then you gave them facts from the text, and they had to try and categorize, classify those facts yeah. under different headings. Very sort of simple... Uh, activities that I'm sure a lot of teachers are using already in their in their, in their classes, mm. but that's just maybe one first step towards you know just getting the students thinking a little bit more um, in 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 different ways. Again, yeah. it doesn't have to be a whole new method way way of thinking. I think he was talking about that was he's sort of more concerned with adult, maybe older teenager and adult students. I wonder if anyone's been doing it with uh, kids. Joanne, Joanne Sai. And, and where are you teaching, Joanne? Uh, EF. Oh, EF. Yeah, and with the Kids and Teens Center. So you you uh, attended a few sessions today. Which which was your favorite session? Um. Well, it's really hard to pick a favorite one. I loved all of them. And you went, did you go to the CLIL? Did you go to one on CLIL? Yeah, yeah, okay. A concept. It was so new, and it's uh, such a great 21st century teaching skill. So um, I think I'm definitely gonna integrate those things into my classroom. And any challenges that you see of trying to integrate CLIL in like the, in the, with Chinese students? Well, I'm currently I'm currently working with kids, so the challenges I suppose should be the demonstration of the instruction because um, I work with six-year-olds and seven-year-olds, and then uh, some of them uh, their language level is not that high, so it might be very challenging for them to understand all the instruction clearly for uh, you know like to go through such a well not really very complicated but uh, more steps of you know activity. Yeah. yeah. Was there one activity in particular that he did that you thought, oh, I want to try, I want to try that one out? Rally reading. Yeah, and also uh, an information gap. I would, I would well call it the old school way, uh, in which like you, you need to squi- uh, like swap your paper slips with other groups and then fill in that bit of information on your um, piece of paper. Yeah, it, it requires a lot of communication and uh, collaboration. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, and we look forward to hearing you on the podcast. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you so much. Great meeting you. Great talking to you. <laughs> so that, that was um, 
the very enthusiastic Joanne Tsai. Joanne Tsai. Thank you, Joanne, for the input there. And so what Joanne was talking about is fantastic. Love the the whole Clil thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to use it in my class more. Mm. A few areas that she picked up on um, as challenges or mm-hmm. um, things that we need to have a little bit of a look at is maybe sort of clear demonstration of um, instructions. Mm-hmm. I think coming back to that whole scaffolding and providing a step-by-step sort of framework for for our students uh, is crucial there, especially as she mentioned with the the low um, the lower classes or the mm-hmm. younger students low language proficiency. Mm-hmm. How as a teacher we need to maybe sort of plan plan that sort of clear process, have it in our mind a clear a clear framework step-by-step guide um, uh, to get our sort of students through. Um, but the young students love it, don't they? Just little things like a a menu from a restaurant and they're going to look at it and then they pull out everything from that menu, the knowledge and what they want to eat and don't want to eat, then they have to do something where they have to find out what different rest. I mean, that's just a cool class. And then they know when they go to a restaurant, this is what a menu is. It doesn't have to be necessarily a subject for the younger kids, does it? It could be, yeah, simple as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and with that, you can have a lot of fun as well at the same time. It doesn't have yeah. to be an extra game and activity mm. and... I know you were demonstrating a few activities, Jake, in your sessions. Uh, Joanne mentioned... Uh, oh. Rally reading. Rally read. Rally read. Bloody awesome. Uh, do you want to explain that one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell everyone what a rally read is, John, because it's really good. So rally read, uh, so in pairs, uh, students in pairs, and you, you probably want to do a model of this before you do it, Jake, as well. Uh, so in pairs, yep. and the students take it in turns to read... Two sentences from the text. Yep. So up to one full stop, to the next full stop, and then stop. Yep. And then you ask a question to your partner. So student A will start, read two sentences, stops, ask student B a question about those two sentences. Mm-hmm. To check, A, that student B is listening, but also to start developing their natural, you know, authentic sort of question language, question answer language. Yeah, and encourages uh, well. that. Uh, communication and uh, yeah absolutely and, and then the they switch over and then student B reads two sentences mm-hmm. asks a question to student A and vice versa throughout the text and interesting John interestingly enough I have a book right here let's try one day the little brown dog jumped over the fence when he got home he ate a hamburger what did the little dog jump over he jumped over a fence, Jake. What did he... Where did he eat his hamburger? At home? That's right. Yeah. Good job. Now you read the next two. Marking questions that may require further investigation can be identified as a critical thinking technique. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do one sentence. Uh, what kind of technique can this be identified as? Uh, marking questions? Is that about critical thinking? Critical thinking, yeah. Yes. Critical thinking, yes. great. Yes. Okay. But you see the point. And you can flip it. It can be the person listening can ask a question. Um, I've tried it where one person's reading, one listens, and then a third person asks a question to the second person who's listening, Boom. and it keeps changing and changing. Rally read. Rally read. So things to think about, though, going back to what Joanne uh, talked about, 
clear demonstration of instructions. Yeah, I tried that. And a clear scaffolding, right? Yeah. So what, what could we do as teachers before they go into the question formation, for example, to make sure they're asking the right questions? We can maybe... Um, model. We can model. Like we, like John and I just did for you. Yes, pretty badly. Yeah, but bring, bring someone up to the front to try it. Um, what else? You can elicit maybe the questions for them. Whole so class. put up two questions yeah. on the board, ask them what questions can you ask. Yeah. Um, you know what, though? Once you've done it once with your class and they know what a rally read is, what's beautiful about a rally read is once they know... Have up on the wall a little symbol that means rally read mm. or like a non-verbal mm. cue, and you can just say, "Here's your books." Rally read it. Point, and they'll just go for it because they know after yeah. after a lesson or two, this is what we got to do yeah. in handing over all that power to the students and control yeah. of the learning. Yeah, yeah. Which thought, leads us to this idea well, of learner, learner autonomy, which will be in our next podcast, which you should tune into after this one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, last point. Last point. That rally yeah, read. Yeah, sorry. Is um, I had one. I'm sure it's going to be inspirational. I've actually forgotten what I was going to say now. Oh, damn. Uh, ah, depends what you want to work on. I think we mentioned with Clil, it's not necessarily the end product, right? It's the process. Mm. So here, maybe you want to be developing just their fluency. So even if they're not getting the questions absolutely right, it's a whole sort of process. They're using English to form questions. Yeah. So maybe one option is they could go through the text together once, asking their questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, teacher stops maybe then gives them some clearer question structures on a sheet or on a board for them to then choose from, and they redo it again then using the, the correct structure. Awesome. Something like that, possibly. Yeah. Um, I think the um, this idea of the, the learning process is one of the big keys. Well, it's going to be a big thing in the future. It's not an, a new thing, but it's be taking, how can I say, it's gaining a lot of traction, this idea of, in language classes, it's all about the process, not not the outcome at the end, because it's all those processes that help you once you leave the classroom, and it's what Clil does for you. Yes, it does. Yes. All right. Fantastic. Cool. John, that was really... Thank you for all your awesome insights into Clil, and it's great having such an expert on Clil, one of John's passions. Uh, is there any, any other places people could be checking out for stuff, man? I think, as mentioned before, do check out the, if you're on our Macmillan uh, Education Asia website, mm-hmm. do check out the links below um, to, there's a graphic organiser, clear graphic organiser, you can use an example, mm-hmm. there's a rally read, uh, that whole process that we talked about up there as well for mm-hmm. you guys um, to use. Likewise, do get in touch uh, with us. Um, email about, us. Yeah, what's our email? ELT upgraders at macmillan.com which you can either just email us or follow the link at macmillaneducationasia.com and let us know yeah contact us about your experiences with teaching CLIL mm-hmm. whether it's um, you know, a short course or a 30 minute lesson one hour lesson let us know and uh, let us know how we can help you uh-huh. and if um, you by the way if you record your messages on your phone and email them to that website There you go. Um, other places you might want to have a look is uh, One Stop English, www.onestopenglish.com. They've got some brilliant resources up there, and, uh, lesson plans, activity sheets for CLIL, academic articles about CLIL. Do go on there as well. Uh, likewise, the book I'm holding here, Uncovering CLIL, Content and Language, Integrated Learning in Bilingual and Multilingual 
uh, education. Very good read. Um, goes into much more detail about those core features, processes, case studies from around the world, yeah. uh, etc. So that was all about Clue, and try it out. You, you've had a look now at what it is, what are the core features. Go back and listen, take some notes, try it out in your classroom. Don't think of it has to be a whole Clue class, but try out little things in your class because we know education is changing, and what students expect from their teachers is changing as well. So this is a really easy way to just get in there and try and do something different so your students can get more out of their language learning. Absolutely. All right, Jakey. Peace. Until next time. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Macmillan Education Asia and the ELT Upgraders.